Welcome to the TNL Talks Podcast. I'm Chris Galloway, Director of Teaching and Learning in Floresville ISD. And I'm Olivia Bailey, the Literacy Specialist for Floresville ISD. Welcome to Episode 18 of the TNL Talks Podcast. I'm excited about this month because we are highlighting a community event that Floresville Middle School has done by interviewing our principal at Floresville Middle School, David Lehman. And we are also starting a new theme this year where we're going to be highlighting one fellow participant each podcast episode. Olivia, it's been a very difficult year in 2020. Are you excited to hear about such an amazing community event that Floresville Middle School has put on this year? Yes, Chris, I am. I, my son attends Floresville Middle School, and so I know um, last year and this year, you know, this is something that he's looked forward to and enjoyed being a part of, and I love that we are bringing in that, those acts of service and that community involvement um, for our students. I think that is such an important part of educating the whole child, which is something that, you know, we are very proud of here in FISD. Yeah, I agree. I think that when we educate the whole child and we bring in service learning as an opportunity for students to to grow and give back, we're really helping preparing them for a prosperous life down the road, which is really part of our portrait of a graduate and it's part of our vision at Floresville ISD. So we want to make sure that we instill in them that character, knowledge, and confidence that comes from not just a strong academic background, but also giving back to the community and that service learning piece that is so critical to them becoming contributing citizens in the Floresville community in the future. Absolutely. And I was also excited about our fellow follow-up, Celeste, from the high school, because as you know, I'm also a member of fella, and you know, we don't often get to sit down and talk with with everybody and find out what projects that we're doing and, and how's that going. So it's exciting to me to see how you know, a fellow fella is coming along in that. And so, yeah, I think we have two great guests lined up today. Let's not keep our listeners waiting any longer and let's get right to our first guest, David Lehman from Floresville Middle School. We're here with Mr. David Lehman, the principal of Floresville Middle School. Welcome, sir. Thank you. We wanted to bring you in because we know it is this holiday season, and something that just occurred on your campus this week was the Christmas tree decorating contest. How did this come about? So this is something that we actually did in Aldine ISD, where I came from. The student organizations did this, and so when I came here to Floresville and became principal of the middle school, it's something that as the holiday season came around, it popped into my head, hey, this is something really cool that we could be doing on our campus to build just a different climate and culture with our students, with our staff, and obviously support community members and families. We started it last year. Uh, that was our first annual tree decorating contest. And we just went about to where I just sent out a, an email to staff saying, whoever's interested in doing this, just give me an idea. This could be a club, this could be an organization, this could be just a grade level class. However you want to go about creating your group, we'll, we'll design it that way. And we were lucky enough to have 20 groups last year, and then we had 20 groups again this year that it ranged from classes to clubs and organizations, which was really, really cool because then you had grade level teachers get together with their students, collaborate with their, their tree decorating. That's really how it came about. So I, I can't take credit for the idea, but I just, I brought it into Floresville with the middle school specifically 
And it's something that uh, really has had an interesting impact just on our staff, on our students. I'm amazed at, really on, on the student side of it, where you know those kids who show interest in wanting to be a part of this, this contest that they do, they donate decorations, they donate gifts, uh, and we're not asking for them to do that. They sense the importance of it. That's what I've, I've really been amazed with is, is really the, the student response to it and their ability to step up and want to be a part of something that's, that's bigger than themselves and them understanding the impact that this has on the community. So you mentioned the word contest. So this is a competition. You've arranged it so that it's a competition among the teams as oh, far as the decorating yes. or, or <laughs> how are they competing exactly? So yes, this, this is a competition for the, the organizations that the benefit that they get uh, from this besides obviously what they're doing for, for the community. So we just set up some general guidelines of each tree has to have a theme. They brainstorm together in their groups what they want their theme to be this. And it ranges anywhere from a Western theme to this year we had a dinosaur theme to your traditional Christmas themes of, of you know, the Grinch is usually showing up somewhere in their elves and things like that. So yeah, they get together and we have prizes for the teachers and for the students for first, second, and third place. And of course, you know, we, we do have some very competitive people <laughs> and that drives them and it, it adds a little flair to it. But that's really not the, the point of it in the end, but it, it, it definitely does create an interesting atmosphere where we have some very competitive teachers and students who then go around and they look at what others are doing and it, it actually creates a, an even fiercer competition each year, which means the trees get better for the families because they, they know what people have done in the past. And so they think, oh man, we've got, we've got to do this bigger and better next year. And of course, in the end, that, that only blesses the lives of the families because they get these phenomenal looking trees and, and the gifts that go with it. You mentioned that this was a project, even though it was a competition, it was a project for the community. Can you explain where the trees go once the competition's over and, and how it ends up with those families? Yeah, so what we did, once we figured out how many groups we were gonna have, I coordinated with Jennifer Grant, our district social worker, and I let her know, hey, we have 20 families that, that we wanna help out in the Christmas season. So then she coordinated with different campuses. We actually, she, she recommended certain families and there were even teachers from other campuses that said, this is a family that we know is in need. And so she compiled that list of the, the parent and guardian and then the kids. And then from there, we coordinated with our campus counselors and they reached out to the parents through either email or phone call, and they asked the parents, what are some needs that you have, what are some wants that the kids, you know, things that they're interested in, and they compiled that list. And then from there, once we had that, we then opened up that list to our entire staff. So we had a group of, of teachers who sponsored the tree decorating end of it, but then we involved our entire campus saying, hey, here's a list of needs and wants, if you are willing and able to donate these gifts, go out and, and sponsor these families on the gift end of it, please let us know. And we had probably out of the 57 teachers that we have on campus, I would say about 40 of those participated or impacted in some way this tree decorating event, either through the actual tree itself or donating gifts for families. That's amazing. One thing I noticed as I walked 
up and down the main hall where the competition was happening, I noticed that the gifts stood out because the tables underneath while they were doing the trees, they were full of gifts. And, you know, I just think about you know, people wanting to, to help our community, give back to our community and those families in need. Because this time of year is a happy time for several people, but there are people who, who need that, that additional support now feel that the district really does care about what's happening with our families. And then the second thing I noticed was is the environment. Even though it was a competition, it was very clear. There was music on in the background. People were having fun, laughing. Communication was just very important during this time. So I think it has a lot of lessons in there along with building a better culture on your campus. I agree. Yeah, every, everything that you said um, there, there was a neat atmosphere and it's something that obviously we need at this time. We, we know that you know things are very difficult and for us to spend an hour outside of school time with students and staff mm -hmm. doing something for somebody else, yeah, it had a really neat feel to it and, and it was an opportunity for us to forget about really everything mm -hmm. else that's going on and that was the neat thing about it. One of your teachers, Vicki Root, while she was working on the tree, she was telling me about her tree and what the kids have done and how proud she was of the kids that came up with the theme and how they thought outside the box to, to come up with things. But something she also referenced was seven mindsets and how part of seven mindsets, the lessons that were recent were the, the need for service in the community. How has things like seven mindsets helped to transfer over to our students to teach them to be productive citizens and in kind of teaching the whole child versus just the the importance of academics, which is super important, but why is it so important to teach service? So this is something that, starting really in, in November, we had a specific push for that. We, we started with the, the one seven mindset of uh, attitude of gratitude and the thank it forward. So it started there where the staff were independently doing things within their classrooms with that concept of, of pay it forward or thank it forward. And I think that this was just a continuation of that. So I, I think because of that, it was already on their mind of, we have the, the opportunity and, and quite frankly, the responsibility to bless the lives of, of those around us through something as simple as service. And Vicki Root, she's really, um, uh, she, she's all about that. So it became very natural for her. And I think just through her example and the interaction that she has with her students, that it was something that organically just happened to where as they designed what they wanted to do for their family, I guarantee you that that concept or that message of serving was embedded throughout that conversation, the preparation uh, for, for that family specifically. Yeah, that, that's something that for me personally, I'm very service oriented. And so as I look at these opportunities to utilize seven mindsets and ensure that we have a very pinpoint message of this this is how we can utilize seven mindsets this is why it's here it makes us better people as we think and act in a certain way these, these are very strategic times that we can benefit from seven mindsets uh, and not only ourselves individually but as a campus well what i love about that is it's an example of again something that we teach in a classroom but it's so important to show children how this applies in real life so this is what we're teaching you and this is what that looks like you know as we grow up and mature we continue those lessons in life and help them make those generalizations and understand 
you know, I think sometimes students don't understand, well, what can I do? What difference can I make? I'm just, you know, I'm just a child or I'm just 12. Well, a huge difference. And so I think you're doing an amazing example of showing children how to pay that forward. Yeah, and really I wish that the students would stay as, because we invited the families to, to come at the end. So once the, the competition and all of that was done with, we invited the families to come and pick up the trees and the gifts. And that's something that I really wish that students would take the time to remain and stay there for that hour that families come so that they can see what this is all about. They, I don't think they truly have that 100% vision of, of really the impact of that until they see you know, a car pull up with mom and dad, kids in the car, and then you see these, these you know, eyes just light up because many of these families didn't even realize that they were getting the tree. They, they knew about the gifts, obviously, through the conversations with the counselors. But when we were rolling out the cart with the fully decorated tree, they were amazed at you know, what we were trying to do for them. And I wish that students could have seen all of that because I think it really would have put that entire stamp of this, this is what it's all about. That's incredible. One thing that we know from research is that relationships are key to districts moving forward, to improvement. In so many ways, this activity, it was fun for the students, but the students and, and staff involved, they bonded and had a relationship that has grown from this experience. The overall campus has grown from coming together through the relationships of bringing these gifts together for the, and creating these trees. And the families and the communities who needed support and help, or just to lift up, so to speak, like you said, it, it, they, they lit up. It's developed a better relationship between a school district and community. That is incredibly important because when a community and district come together and are engaged, then they can collaborate together to help educate the children of the district. Have you seen an impact on that community district relationship? Definitely. I think that it opens up lines of communication. It gives people a fuller picture of what the school is all about. That, Of course, academics is at the forefront of what we do, but as a school and as building productive citizens, there are things that go beyond just the academic classroom and, and these opportunities for service. It allows for uh, the community to see that this, this is what you know, Floresville Middle School is about, this is what FISD is about, that they're, they truly are worried about the, the whole child, the, the whole family, and what that entails, and not only the academic side, but also that social emotional piece uh, that they need through simple acts of service. It's a really amazing job, uh, Mr. Lehman. Is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners? You're going to be speaking to students, staff members, community members, anything you want to share with them? I'm just grateful for the community. I'm, I'm grateful for those who obviously made this happen. I was only a small piece of that. You look at how many people had to come together and all the workings of this to ensure that we could bless the lives of, of 20 families. And, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm appreciative of them. I want them to know that uh, we truly do care about them uh, and that we look forward to these opportunities and hope that we can continue to, to bless their lives through these small, small and simple means. Mr. Lehman, thank you for the time. I know that you're very busy right before we go to Christmas break. So just want you and your family to enjoy the holidays. And thank you again for being such an amazing leader in our district and for really reaching out to help our community. Thank you. Thank you.
Libby, I really enjoyed hearing how Mr. Lehman is tying the service learning into the teaching of the whole child at Floresville Middle School. And he does have a strong focus on academics, but I feel like that he has a real strong grasp of what service learning is and how it can benefit his students at Floresville Middle School. What did you think? I agree completely. And what you alluded to it earlier that, you know, 2020 has been a, a tough year, a tough year for teachers and for students. And so I think this was the perfect culmination of everything that we've been doing with our Capturing Kids Hearts and our Seven Mindsets, along with the academics and just bringing all of that together for the staff and students to remind us the importance of acts of service and to just remind us of what it means to come together as a community during the tough times. Even in a non-COVID year, during this time of year, it's a happy time for many, many families, but also for a few of our families, they're struggling just to make ends meet and they're struggling to find joy. And I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for our school district to step up and to provide them with a little lift so that they can feel some joy during this difficult time. And so I'm super excited that Mr. Lehman is a part of our district. He's a leader in our district. He's very humble. And I think that he's going to be around for a long, long time. And he's got great things that's going to bring to Floresville and to the middle school. Interviewing Mr. Lehman was perfect for this time of year as a theme for how things are going in our district and highlighting some of the things that we're doing that's a little different than academics, but at the same time teaching the whole child. One thing we wanted to do differently moving forward for the remainder of this year is to each episode highlight one of our fellow participants. We did a special episode in episode 17 on Fella, but we wanted to make sure that we could really showcase all of our participants, or as many as we can before the end of the year. There are so many great participants. We have 29 of them right now, and we want to make sure that every one of them gets an opportunity to talk about how Fella is benefiting them, a little bit about their project, how that's supporting the district. Without further ado, why don't we listen to Celeste, assistant principal at Floresville High School. We're here with Celeste Rodriguez from the high school. She's an assistant principal. How are you doing, Celeste? I'm doing great. Well, thank you for joining us. You're also a participant in the Floresville Educational Leadership Academy, correct? That is correct. Well, we've been doing a lot this year with building capacity within our district, and some of the things we've done is creating Fella and also revamping the assistant principals meeting with myself and, and Mr. Schroeder. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your experiences in both and in how that kind of translates over to the campuses. So why don't we start with Fella? What, what do you think about Fella and how's that experience been for you? I was very excited when I received the email about Fella and it being a very first year project within the district. And of course, I signed up very quickly because of the opportunities that it was going to provide. We were going to have guest speakers every meeting. We are also reading um, a book. We have a book study. I'm an avid reader, so I love to read. So I thought this was really going to be beneficial to my role in the district and then also to support teachers and students. And one of the projects that as a participant we have to create is the assistant principal network. Of course, with your help in creating it um, and getting guidance as well as how it would, how it would go. What I did was is I invited all the assistant principals in the area that also our district office leaders 
collaborate with. They collaborate with their superintendents and principals. So I got the names of the assistant principals and I sent an email out inviting them to the assistant principal network that of course we would meet through Zoom. That took place on the 4th of December and I had four participants. We discussed COVID and discipline. Those were the topics of interest that the participants in the network said were of interest to them. So that was the first meeting. It, I thought it was very successful. We, we had good conversations and our next meeting is in January. So that has been something that has really helped me because I am not um, naturally an outgoing person. So for me to reach out and ask strangers to come be part of this group and to have conversations about our roles as assistant principals, a huge, a huge achievement for mm -hmm. me to really get out of my comfort zone. So you mentioned assistant principals in area. You're referring to assistant principals from other districts, not Floresville ISD. Correct. And so I invited districts around the area, such as Poth, Stockdale, Lavernia, Pleasanton, Jordanton, Charlotte, Fall City. Hopefully this next meeting will have more participants, just so that we as assistant principals have that opportunity to collaborate with other assistant principals outside our district because we don't have that opportunity very often. We do collaborate with each other as assistant principals within the district, but not outside. So it, it gives us a good indication of what other districts are doing, what are some of the issues that they are dealing with at the moment or what they foresee. And so it really helps, helps us grow. Can I ask where your inspiration for your project came from? Is this something that when you came into an administrative role, you sort of wished had been there for you for support, or was it something that you had seen other districts doing, or how did you come about the idea for your project? Well, the idea came from Dr. Galloway because he thought of the collaboration that he's able to do with other superintendents mm -hmm. and principals in the area, and I was still not quite sure what my project, what I wanted my project to be. He asked me, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think um, there's something that you would like to do? And I was like, well, why not? That's how that came about. How will the project that you're doing translate over to teachers in the classroom? You're basically creating a professional learning community between assistant principals in the area. So how will this translate over to what you're doing as an assistant principal in the campus? Hopefully I'll be able to take the ideas that other assistant principals as instructional leaders are doing with their teachers, maybe strategies, issues that maybe they have come across that would help us deal with things that may, may come along. We talk a lot about our PLCs. All our teachers are trained in the PLC process, and so that's something too that I hope to share with others. It's a very important process in in lesson design and instructional strategies and how a classroom should sound and look. What I learned from the other assistant principals will help me with our teachers and then with our students as well. It's amazing. I think it's great that you have an opportunity to collaborate with other professionals in the same position. Sometimes when you're in a small district we get busy and it's really hard to have that collaboration and we're the only high school so for you to be able to collaborate with other high schools is good for you and your team of assistant principals and I think it's going to grow as well. Certainly. I wish I would have thought of this sooner during um, COVID because that's when I feel that you know we really could have collaborated with mm -hmm. others and we did. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have like a meeting time yeah. you know, once a month. 
Um, it was just communicating with, uh, with other people that we knew and then how other districts would call, would call us and then we would share like what, what do we do next or what do you think would be a good idea or what are you doing as, as far as graduation. You know, that was, a, that was a really big event that we leaned on other districts for guidance as well to make sure that ours was successful. So what about the assistant principal meetings? We've revamped that this year as a district to try to help build capacity in the assistant principals. So what has that experience been for you as an assistant principal and, and how do you think it's going to help your teachers? I think it's amazing. I love it. I love that we are able to get together once a month. I was in a bigger district before and that was something that we did every month. It was nice to be able to meet with all the other assistant principals and have a set agenda of current topics, things that are going on in the district. And I think it's ever so more important now because of COVID that everybody's in the loop and everybody knows what's what's going on. It's really helped me as an individual assistant principal grow and then hopefully for the other assistant principals as well. And then what we learn at our assistant principals meetings, we could carry that over to the classrooms. Assistant principal meeting, if I'm not mistaken, um, you guys are doing a book study with that also. Could you maybe speak to a little bit about the book that you're doing for those? Yes, it's called the Assistant Principal 50. I get really excited because I, I love to read and it was a book that just was published in the spring. Mm -hmm. I think in May is when it came out mm -hmm. and I had seen it and I had ordered it. When the school year began, there it is, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, this is going to be great. I was just like, this is what everybody needs. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to read it and with, with purpose and with intent about the 50 questions in there, and they pertain exactly to an assistant principal's role. And to, as aspiring principal, what, what is next? What, mm -hmm. what can we prepare ourselves for now for that principalship that hopefully will, will happen in the future? So there are most likely some teachers who are listening to this podcast that are thinking, you know, one day I want to be an assistant principal. What advice would you have for them to becoming an assistant principal and that experience? That it is very much an open book. It is unpredictable. And I will be, can we be honest, that's what I love about what I do every day because it's not predictable. You may take classes, but you have to take classes to become a, an administrator. And, and that's all well and good, but it's the day by day in the trenches. Just be prepared. Just be prepared and don't be surprised because it, it's a position not for the weary, I guess. And if you weren't patient before, you do become patient and your perspective will change because it is something that you, you have to love taking initiative, coming up with ideas, and certainly helping students and teachers as well. And if I'm not mistaken, you were an elementary teacher, correct? Yes, And then you did assistant principal at secondary level, both middle school and now high school. What would you say to teachers who, as far as taking that, that leap and, you know, and extending yourself or putting yourself out there to try those new challenges? Was it something that you were hesitant about or was it something that you knew you wanted to, to try? Well, I knew that I wanted to be an administrator when I first started teaching and I was a high school teacher for five years and then I took the leap and went mm -hmm. to to become an elementary teacher because I was involved in a service learning grant. That's what really got my interest in being an elementary teacher and I did that for eight years before I became an administrator. And, and I know there's probably some people that know me, you know, and were like, oh my goodness, how is she going to do that? Like, there's no way 
she's going to be able to teach elementary students. Mm -hmm. I became very patient, very <laughs> patient. So you learn a lot about yourself and just their love of learning. And that's what kept uh, me in the elementary classroom was their love of learning and being able to teach them and see their faces when they did learn something new. It was just amazing. I think everybody should have the opportunity to at least spend a day in an elementary classroom or two or three <laughs> because you just see they love to come to school and they love to learn and just seeing how, you know, and thinking back to the high school kids that I taught and thinking, you know, those kids were once this little as well. Taking the challenge because mm -hmm. it is a challenge. You find out a lot about yourself when, when you do, when you kind of get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you would like for our listeners to, to know? We have some most likely students, community people, teachers that are on listening to this podcast. Is there anything that you think they should know going forward or you'd like to share? Well, I would just like to share that this has been an unbelievable year. 2020 has been a challenge, but we are all very fortunate to, to work together and lean on each other to do always what's best for the students. And so I, I hope that the next year, 2021, will, will be maybe less challenging. There's always <laughs> challenges that we, we will keep on for our students. All right. Well, Ms. Rodriguez, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. We know you're super busy, and we want you to know that you're a valued member of this district, and you're doing an amazing job. Keep it up. We definitely see you as an instructional leader and a lead learner in our district, and keep doing what you're doing because you're doing amazing work. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you. Absolutely. When sometimes the district office, when we try to implement something or we roll something out based on feedback from surveys, one of the things that's always in the back of our mind is, is this something that the employees really need? Is this something they really want? And Celeste solidified that for us with our interview today about how exciting it was for her. And I think it models for our listeners and for the people on her campus that she is a lead learner in this district. So she's not only an instructional leader and in helping teachers by coaching them, she's also a lead learner showing teachers and professionals that you can continue to grow. You, you never really stop growing as a professional. And so there's always that opportunity to get better through a collaboration like she is with her AP cohort that she's doing with other districts, as well as reading a book or reading an article and always listening to amazing podcasts from great leaders and people who can learn from and also just taking an opportunity to reflect on your practice and how you can implement what you learn and to help support your school. I couldn't agree more. I think we had two amazing guests today, and it's just a wonderful way to wrap up 2020 with our podcast. Very positive and uplifting message for all of our listeners.
Well, to all our listeners out there, we want to say uh, we hope you have a restful break. We hope you have a happy holidays, and we are thinking about you. We are definitely, definitely hoping for a much better 2021. So get those New Year's resolutions and be ready for a wonderful year, because I think in Floresville ISD, there are some fantastic things to come for every one of you, and we're looking forward to seeing you next year. Well, episode 18 is in the books, and until 2021, that's That's a wrap. wrap.